I will say that there are a few, word in, a few words in the English language that just don't cut it. Uh, love is one of those words. You know, you can say, you know, I love this pie, or you can say, you know, I love God, and those are two completely different things. Um, but for me tonight, it's the word thank you. You know, because I can say, you know, thank you for someone that holds open the, the door, and that's completely different than the thank you that I have for this church. Um, I've been in this church longer than I've been at my home church, or for more frequent than at my home church. And so, you all have taught me so many things, and I wish there were more people here for, um, I'm, I'm sure they're listening on live stream, of people that have changed my life from this church, and people that have prayed for me, and people that have encouraged me and shown me things. It's, it's such a blessing, because I came to school, and I was, I was one of those Christians, I was greener than a grasshopper. I mean, I was like... I was one of those guys that I, I, had, I had grown up in a, in a family that we didn't really go to church. We were, we were Christians. We went to church whenever I was younger, but really weren't strong. I wasn't strong as a Christian, but I came here. God had called me to preach. I went, started going to school, and as throughout the week, I would learn things about doctrine, about faith, about practice, and it was like God was just like showing me so much, and then I would come here, and it was like I got to see it lived out. And that was the awesome thing. I felt like one of those Japanese swords. You know, you've heard the stories where they, they take the sword and they bang it out. And I felt like I was getting banged out all week, just bam, bam, bam. And then I'd come here and I'd get, I'd get it folded over and applied. And it would strengthen me and it encouraged me. And that's how I feel about this church. And I, I mean, thank you just doesn't cut it. But it's all I have to say. Um, let's turn, if you're, if you're there in Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to look at chapter 10, verse 38 for a second. And it says, now the just shall live by faith. I want you guys to say that with me now. The just shall live by faith. That echoes Romans chapter 1, verse 17, and also Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. It's the subject that Paul likes to bring up a lot because it's so important. Faith is vital in the Christian life. And that's our subject today. It's, faith is both the simplest subject, but also the hardest subject to talk on. Because it's simple in that, God tells you to do something, you either listen to him and obey, or you don't. And so, like, in that aspect, it's simple. But in the hard aspect of it is, God asks you to do something, and now you either have to obey, you know, listen and obey. So, it's both, it's both strength and hard. Like, it's, it's easy and it's hard. Um, but if faith is sometimes small, our faith is sometimes small. And, and it's easy to happen, too. Because, you know, we can come to church, we can read our Bibles, and sometimes we just forget who God is. But let's look in Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to walk down through the whole, whole book, hopefully, and we'll be out of here before midnight sometime. Um, and you'll have to forgive me if I clear my throat a lot. That frog that was crossing his legs in Brother Ledbetter's, he had his cousin, and he's in there singing, you know, Hello, My Baby, or something. <coughs> but uh, Hebrews chapter 11 talks about, is known as the Hall of Faith. Or the Faith Hall of Fame. And, you know, I like Hall of Fames because it, it kind of recognizes people that have done great things in their lives. And, you know, there's different ones. I'm planning on maybe going to the NASCAR Hall of Fame here in a couple of days because uh, I'm going over to Charlotte to take somebody to the airport. And, you know, I just like Hall of Fame. I just like seeing when people have done something and they get recognized for it. And then it's kind of like a snapshot in history. And here today, uh, we're going to be looking at the Faith Hall of Fame and see what God has to show us. Um, 
what I want to do. You know, there's this saying that I say to some guys, and I maybe am telling too much here, but occasionally there's guys at college, and they want to do dumb things, right? And I'm the RA of the dorm, so it's my job to make sure they don't do it. But in my heart, I want them to do it. You guys understand what I'm saying? <laughs> and so the other day, I was at the, at the lunch table, and there was one guy who was like, five bucks, I can put this whole pie in my mouth. I was like... I wanted to see it, kind of, but I knew we were at the kitchen. We're supposed to be like, you know, all that stuff, etiquette. And, you know, he was like, five bucks, five bucks. Nobody, you know, we're college students. We're not going to give five bucks to see a guy eat a pie. And I looked at him, and I said, listen, money lasts for only a second, but legends never die. And he went, (laughs) and he put the whole thing in that. I was like, all right, let's go. And so, (laughs) but legends never die. Let's start in Hebrews chapter 11 here. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which were seen, which are seen, were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. Listen. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Let's pray. Lord, I'm so thankful for today, and God, I'm asking for you to come down and just speak to our hearts. And Lord, we're thankful for your word, and we're thankful for your, your involvement in our lives, and that you care. And God, I just ask that you would work tonight, and that we would yield all to you. In Jesus' name, amen. During this sermon preparation, I was kind of challenged in a lot of different areas in my life. Um, you know, whenever you're, when God puts on your heart to preach about faith, you start realizing how little you have. And how much you're holding back from God. And that's really been the theme. Every year, every semester that I go to school, God puts a theme in my life. You know, one year it's all in. One year it's this. And, you know, God's slowly building us up. And that's the way it should be in our our everyday lives, not just at school. Um, But God has been challenging me this year of how far am I willing to go? And, you know, it's a battle. I, I find myself in a battle every morning. I wake up. I gotta fight the devil. I gotta fight, you know, I gotta fight the flesh. I gotta fight, fight gravity just to get out of bed. You know what I'm saying? Tell me if gravity has kept you down your whole life, okay? That's, that's the way I feel about it, okay? Gravity has done nothing but kept me down. Um, and in the end of the day, though, we battle. We battle every day. We battle and we lose heart sometimes. We lose focus. But today I want us to do a quick diagnostic check of our heart and just ask ourselves where are we at? Are we living the life that God wants us to have? Would we be someone that would get put in Hebrews chapter 11? Are we that kind of person? Well, I hope to find out. Because my question that I want you to ask yourself today is, what's the difference between me and them? All right? So, let's look at this in uh, verse 6. It says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I see a two-part recipe right there. 
I see you have to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Um, We must agree with God in that because he says, I am, right? And we must sit here and say, he is. And so with that, we must say that he is and that with that, we also have to seek him. Everywhere in the Bible that God works in someone's life, he, get, he makes us take the first move. Not, not every time, but a great many times, he makes us make the first move. For salvation, right? You must believe in him, then you receive. You, the Bible says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. It's an action. You come to God, he comes to you. It's one of those things. He's not going to force himself on you. He loves you, but he's giving you that choice to choose, to choose to follow him. And who is faith for? Who has acceptable faith? Verse 4, I want you guys to look at this. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained a witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. I want you guys to think about that for a second. This first man in the list of the hall of faith, in God's unchanging, everlasting, inerrant, infallible word of God, for all of time, was a farmer. Can I get an amen for that? He was a farmer. He wasn't a king. He wasn't a theologian. He wasn't some masterful person. He was a farmer. He was a normal person. And he offered a more excellent sacrifice. God asked for a simple thing. He said, I want a blood sacrifice. And obviously it represented Jesus coming and his sacrifice. And Cain did not do what what God had asked of him. Cain offered of the best of his fruits. but, but, um, But Abel, he offered what God asked for. And it was a simple matter of obedience. And because of that obedience, he attained righteousness. The next guy on the list By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had had this testimony that he pleased God. So the second man on the list, he's a preacher. He's a prophet. And he he simply, in Jude 1, 14 and 15, talks about him preaching righteousness. And, you know, he was so close to God at one point of his life. He was so close walking with God that God just took him. God was like, you know what? Death's not for you. You're coming with me. You're coming home. And so these two guys, they're, they're different. They have different lives. But that teaches me one thing. It doesn't matter who we are. We can have faith. We can have great faith to be put in this book, to put in this chapter, that is. And sometimes I think we get this idea that there's like this ranking system of holiness and that some people are more holy and some people are not. But that's not what the Bible shows That's not what the Bible teaches. Faith is not about your practice, your job, or anything like that. It's about your willingness to obey God. It's about how far you're willing to go and and, and your relationship with him. The reality that this chapter shows is that great faith is for all people. Everyday, normal people. And so faith is for everyone. Rich, poor, smart, dumb, it doesn't matter. Anyone can be acceptable through faith. That deserves a big amen. amen. Anyone is acceptable through faith. Okay? And that's one of the reasons I, I'm so thankful that God put whosoever in John 3.16. Because that's faith. It takes faith to get saved. You put your faith in Christ, he gives you salvation. And he says whosoever. 
That's for anybody. That's for everybody. And he wants it. He expects it. God doesn't, God doesn't stack the deck against us. He stacks it for us. He leaves the, he's the door, and he's left it wide open. He says, come on. Come on, come to me. Use me. Love me. Worship me. Do for me. And that's, and that's what we have to always remember, that trust in God, faith in God is for everyone, and God wants everyone to trust him. Our second thing I want to look at is you can have faith in any setting. Verse 7, by faith, Noah. I'm going to stop right there. By faith, Noah. What do we know about Noah? Noah was in a time of wickedness. He was in a time that was so wicked that God was about to destroy the entire world. Okay? We haven't got there yet. So I don't even know what that looks like. And so, so Noah is living in this time and it's, it's a horrible environment and he's surrounded by horrible people that, are, that we, don't even, we don't really have a, a great description of them. But the world was so wicked that God was going to destroy it. I thought about my first job because I, I went from being homeschooled in my family then to going and working in a factory, okay? That's a little bit of an adjustment there. And uh, the people were a little bit different than mom and dad, if you know what I mean. And uh, the words they used, the uh, subjects they talked about, you know, it wasn't good. And I thought, I thought to myself, I was like, man, God cussers, blasphemers, man. They were there. They didn't care about anything. They, didn't, they just lived the lives that they wanted to live. And they showed it and they shared it. And I thought about, there was one fellow that, he's the reason I'm here right now. His name is Dwayne Szymanski. We just called him Ski, because, you know, Polish names are a little hard sometimes. But that man is the reason I'm here today, because he was in this environment. He'd been working there for 25 years, and he was a light. He was a light. I was a young man that was struggling I was depressed. I was trying to figure things out. And he was there. And he showed me. I remember one day I was there and I said, he asked me to pray for something and some Czechoslovakian thing was happening. I I don't even know what it was. I said, what's the point of praying? If God's going to do it, he's going to do it. And he stopped what he was doing for a second. He went over to his toolbox. He opened up his Bible. He came back over and he showed me out of the Bible where it talks about praying. And so I was like, okay, I should start praying. That same man, he showed, me, he showed me later on, he said, hey, you should really start reading your Bible. So I was like, okay, during break, I'll read like a chapter or two. I didn't really understand a whole lot of it, but that was pivotal for me. That changed my life. And he also pressured me, he just kept pressuring me on going to church over and over and over and over again. Hey, you should find a church, you should find a church, you should find a church, you should find a church. Over and over and over again. And I was like, man, I know I'm supposed to get a church. I'm reading the Bible, I understand. But then I told him one day, I was like, you know, what's the point of a church? You know, I mean, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm reading the Bible. I'm ha- trying to have a relationship with God. And he said, you know what? Think about it like a hand, right? You have a hand. It does a lot of jobs. It does a lot of work. It can do great things. But if it's not attached to the body, what good is it? And that hit me. I was like, you know what? You're right. I need to find a church. And that day, another coworker gave me a tract. Uh, inviting me to Roundup Sunday, which is at Central Baptist, which is the church that I ended up attending. And the Lord just opened up that door. But I say all that to say that because of this man showing light and darkness, my life has changed. And God expects that from us. God wants us to be a light because we can have faith. We can show faith. We can prove faith. 
in any setting. It doesn't matter how dark it is. And sometimes you'll be in the settings and it seems impossible to do the right thing. It really does. It seems hard to do the right thing, but God, he always provides a way. He always provides that option for us to do right. In verse 7 it says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whether he went. Our next thing I want us to look at is that faith can be blind faith. And I say blind faith like this, okay? Because it's blind for us. All right? Blind faith. Noah, right there at the very beginning, it says, being warned of God of things. Not seen as yet. Noah hadn't seen rain yet. Noah didn't understand what was going on. God's like, hey, build this giant boat. Noah's like, for what? And he's like, because it's going to rain. He's like, what's rain? You know what I'm saying? And so he's having to take steps of faith without seeing or without even knowing what was going to happen. And, and then in verse 8, Abraham it says there at the, at the end, it says, and he went out not knowing whether he went. You know, the future is, is shadowed. It's, it's hard to see. It's unclear. We don't get to see the future. And it's blind faith for us. And sometimes, though, God says, hey, it's time to take that step. It's time to take the step into the dark. But he always shines light just where you need it. So you know what to do. So it's not always, that's why I say blind faith like this. I say it's blind faith because you may know the next step, but you don't know the end of the path. But it's something that we have to always be cognizant of that God knows the future. And we have to trust that. And you know, it's totally against our nature. I'm a planner. I know there's a lot of people in this room. They like plans. They like backup plans. They like, you know, they like all the different options, predictions. And uh, they like to know the destination. But sometimes we, we get in such a ready, set, jump mentality that we, we don't listen to God. Sometimes God just says, jump. And we got to jump. And it's a matter of obedience and it's a matter of trust and it's a matter of faith. And God, when God commands us to do something, you know, we have assurance because of his word that he's going to be with us. And then he's going to enable us to do what he's asked. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Remember, guys, it's only blind faith for us. God sees the future. It reminds me of, um, you're off to forgive me, Josh, for this one. Um, but we were driving back uh, from church one day, and my van was having a little trouble, so we were riding in Josh's van. And I don't know if you know anything about Josh's van, but his headlights are about the equivalent of a couple lightning bugs in a jar, okay? <laughs> and it was raining that day, and we started to pull out uh, you know, onto the highway, and you know, we're all happy, you know, we just got done with church, Master's Club, everything's good. And then Josh says, hey guys, I, uh, I have a confession to make. I don't see so well in the dark. I was like, okay. You know, he's like, I also see, don't see so well when it's raining either. I was like, oh, okay. And then 
I think it was Dan from the back says, you can see the road, right? <laughs> and he goes, kind of, you know? And he's like, I'm having a hard time seeing the lines right now, I'll be honest. And I'm sitting there like, and right before I got nervous, though, I said a little prayer. I said a little prayer, and I started singing, though. That's how you get through life. You start singing, driving by faith. Yes, I'm driving by faith. And so we start, we laugh about it, but I, I feel this nervous energy from the back, the guys in the back. Dan and Paul were back there. They, were, they turned Catholic on us all of a sudden. But, you know, but we made it. We made it. But sometimes that's the way it is in life. You know, you're driving along. You can't, you don't know what's going on. You're just having to trust. And, you know, Josh got us through that. And he, right now he's representing God, though, because <laughs> he got us through it. I mean, we couldn't see it. He couldn't see it. But, you know, we got through it. And in life, sometimes you don't get to see the road ahead. Sometimes it looks slippery, all that stuff. But God's there, and he's got you. He's got you in his hand. And he's going to guide you through it. You know, faith is, is evident. We don't like the unknown. We don't, we don't understand the unknown, but it's something that we have to embrace and say, okay, unknown or not, I'm going to do what God tells me to do. And the question is, though, will you obey? Verse 9. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So he's already looking for heaven. And this is in the Old Testament, so that's awesome. Verse 11, which I just love Sarah, okay? I just love, listen to this. This is Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. It says that she judged him faithful. And I I find that interesting because if you look back in the Old Testament, whenever it talked about Sarah, it says that she laughed at God or whenever God said that, that she laughed. And I'll be honest, I laughed too. I'm still laughing I think it's funny, like, this lady is a little bit, you know, she's on the older side. And for her to have a kid is kind of, it's, it's a little weird. It's kind of funny. I just, I just think about the, 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 the sign on the door. It goes, it's geriatrics maternity ward, okay? Like, I, I don't know. I, I think that's funny, okay? I don't know about you guys. But you know what? God counted that as faithful. God said, okay, I know you're laughing. I know, I know it seems impossible, but I've got you. I said I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And he gave her a child. In verse 12, let's keep going. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars in the sky and the multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, were persuaded of them and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. Folks, that's us. We're strangers and pilgrims on this earth. And we're looking for that promise to come, the promise of heaven. We're, we're, we're heaven-bound if you're saved today. And we need to keep that focus. Let's keep going. Verse 14, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, an heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he hath prepared for them a city. I think it's important for us to remember something while we read this chapter. 
And that is the fact that these folks did not have a Bible. We have the Bible. We have it written, and it's never leaving us. These folks, they heard from God. They saw God. You know, they spoke to him, whether, you know, whatever means that was. Or they heard it through their family lineage. And that's all they had to go on. And you say, well, if I saw God, I would do whatever he told me to do. Not always. No, you wouldn't. Maybe. Cain, Cain saw God. He didn't do what God told him to do. Abraham, Moses disobeyed at one point. You say, well, I, I think I'm a little bit different than that. I don't think so. I think we're all humans. And we have this. And this lets us know exactly what God wants from our life. And it's clear. And though you may not talk to God directly, it's, it's His Spirit is with us. And His Spirit translates this into our heart. So it's just the same. And it's just as powerful. And it can do just the same work. God has promised us so much. He's promised us heaven. He's promised us salvation. He's promised to come again. All these things he's promised, and we know it because of this. And ultimately, that's what this chapter is about. This chapter is about God said it, we believe it, and we do it. That's what these folks did, and that's what God wants from us. And I'm just basically going to read through the rest of this chapter and just point out some things as we go. Verse 17 says, By faith Abraham... When he was tried, offered up Isaac. And when he had received the promise, offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. From whence also he received him in a figure. And I'll be honest, any time that I'm in a chapel or I'm in a message and somebody says to turn open your Bibles to... Um, in Genesis when it talks about this passage of Abraham sacrificing his son, they could just do the altar call right there because I already know what he wants from me. And he wants it all. And it's here. It's here. And Abraham, he, this picture of him sacrificing his son is possibly the greatest sacrifice a man outside of Jesus can do. You know, you can give your, yourself, that's one thing, but to give your son is completely different. He was, it's a pure sacrifice. He gave of the son of promise, one that he had lived his whole life with anticipation, looking forward to. He was willing to give that up. He was willing to give up his will. He was willing to give up the son. He was willing to give his control, the future. He was willing to give up the results of everything. That's a pure sacrifice right there. And it's and it's it boggles my mind because I, I question myself and I, I don't think I could do it. I mean I don't have a son yet, but I don't think I could sacrifice anybody that I love. I just don't think I'm there yet. But um, God may He probably is not going to ask you to sacrifice a family member. I'm just letting you know. Um, but you know what He might ask you to do? He might ask you to offer up to give your child up to negative circumstances. And I say that in that, you know, there's some sicknesses that go around. There's some kids that they wander. And you say, man, I don't know. I don't know what God's doing. Why is God letting this happen? And sometimes you just have to trust him. 
and trust that God's going to bring this kid through. And it's, you know, it's just the same. And he may ask you to give up something significantly smaller like money or time or, um, you know, just the, the possessions that we have. Abraham gave up his most valued possession. And I find it interesting because God told him one day, and he didn't wait. He didn't kick it around. He didn't mull it over in his mind. The next day, he got the wood. He got his, his servants. He took his kid, and they walked to the mountain. And he was ready to do it. Why? Because he had faith in God. Do we have that kind of faith? Are we willing to put ourselves, are we willing to put the things that we love up for sacrifice? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. Verse 19 says, Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence he also received him a figure. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the son of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw that he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasure in Egypt, for he had respect unto recompense of the reward. And that shows me right there that faith will do a couple things for you. Faith will take you places you never thought you'd go. And also, Faith will take you away from things you shouldn't be around. Faith will take you away from the world. Faith will confuse the world and it'll make them go, what, what is he doing? Can you, imagine, can you imagine Moses going before Pharaoh and saying, hey, your, your, work, your, your free labor, we're, can we go? Like, we're actually leaving right now. Um, can you imagine his mindset on that? Pharaoh probably was like, who is this guy? He, actually, Pharaoh was like that, and he made him come back a couple times. But can you imagine the people thinking that? The world's baffled by faith. They don't understand it. They're unregenerated. They're not alive in here. You have to remember that. So sometimes you, you, God's putting something in your heart to do. God's telling you to do something with your life. And the people around you, they're not going to understand. And sometimes you just got to go for it. Because it's what God told you to do. Faith will take you away from the world. It will take you away from the sin. And it will always bring you to his will. Verse 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasure in Egypt. For he had respect of the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. So I see here that faith brings salvation. Verse 29, by faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians, as saying to do, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. I see there that 
uh, faith brings deliverance. In verse 31, it says, By faith the harlot Rahab perished, not with them that believed not, when she had received the spies with peace. And right there I see that that's, faith brings protection. Verse 32, and, they, and what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and Jephthah, and of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who, listen to this guys, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to the fight, sorry, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. I'm going to stop there for a second. Listen to that. Women received their dead, raised to life again. You know, verse 34, you could say that maybe about Muslims, you know. They could, they could say, my God quenched the, you know, the violence of fire. They could say that the sword, um, out of the edge of the sword and out of weakness were made strong. They could say that. You know what they're not going to say? Women receive their dead, raised to life again. And I see that there's so many religions and they claim truth. And they don't have it. You know? They don't have it, but we do. We have a God that is so incredibly powerful. And I think we forget that. And I think we take advantage of it. I think we take it for granted. And I think we lose out on so many blessings. Pastor Capel was praising God for his eyes today. That's, that's a good thing. You know, it was a surgery. And God pulled him through. And God's going to help him. And God, I guarantee you, if we went through this room and we talked about all that God has done in our lives... We'd leave here crying and praising God and shouting and all that stuff. They'd think we're Pentecostals or something. Because God is so great. God is so powerful. And we always, we always need to keep that in remembrance. Because if you remember who God is, that will help you have the faith that you need. Because you know who the power source is. You know who's going to be the one that's going to carry you through the dark times. Let's keep going. Verse 35. Women raised... Sorry, women received their dead, raised to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trials of cruel mocking and scourging, yea, moreover, of bound and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. I love this chapter. And you know, one day we might come to this point in time where we are put through the gauntlet. And our faith is going to be in question, and they're going to say, deny God or die. Do you have faith enough to to stick with it? Do you believe that God's going to pull you through if you do? It may come to that time in our life. This world's going downhill quick. It's been going downhill for a long time, but you, you guys know what I'm saying. We have to be ready for that. You have to be... 
just so resolute in your heart that God is real, that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him? Do you seek him as you should? Do you believe that he is? Do you rely on him? I love this chapter for many reasons, but let me just say some names. And I want just, you know, no feedback. It's okay. But Ronald Reagan, John MacArthur, Alexander the Great, Napoleon, Little Caesars. Okay, maybe not the last one. Um, but, you know, these names, they are iconic because of what they've done in history. Their great feats have changed cultures, they've changed nations, they've changed the course of history itself. But I believe that chapter 11, their names have more value than them. If anything, it's for the mere fact that God put them, the God of the universe put them in his word. That will never go away. They are immortalized in eternity. History will forget George Washington. Have you? There's a video that I watched, and it was a guy. He goes around to college universities. Sometimes he just goes around towns, and he'll interview people, and he'll be like, you know, hey, who was the first president of the United States? And the person sits there, and they're like, Abraham Lincoln. And like, I don't know if they picked the stupidest people for this, but they go around, and it's just I'm astounded that there's so many people that don't know history. And, and there's one guy that he does this, and I, I love it, because he goes around, he asks people, he's like, hey, you know, when was, you know, when did we sign the Declaration of Independence? And the guy's like, uh, 1980, and he goes, correct. And then he gives them, like, their prize. He just, he just lies. It's, it's funny. I think it's very funny. But, you know, people, people won't remember these people. Like, history is only going to last for a little bit of time. World history, it's going. People don't people won't remember that. History is going to be erased eventually. Not in Hebrews chapter 11. Bible history never gets erased. Let's look at verse 1 and 2 of of 11 again. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Listen to this. For by it the elders obtained a good report. And turn over to verse 39. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Faith gave these people a good report. And the reason I love this is because faith gave them a good report, but these are just normal people. They're super normal. I mean, these are like farmers, soldiers, judges, harlots, prophets, a mother. They're just really normal people. They're here forever. They're here forever. And they're just normal people that put their faith in God and said, God said it, I believe it, and I'm going to do it. And so I'm going to close here, but I'm going to ask you guys to ask yourself that question. What's the difference between you and them? What's the answer? Nothing. Nothing's different between you and them. You could, you could be found faithful. You could have that good report one day. And that's what I pray for. That's my desire. I want one day, whenever I get to see God, he goes, hey, good job.
you did all right. <laughs> you know, that's what I want. And that's what I want for everybody. So let's pray. God, we're thankful for who you are and we're thankful for your love for us and we're thankful that you give us a choice. And God, I just ask that we would not waste that choice but wholly depend on you and put our faith in you and, and act on it. God, just give us, give us all that we need to do it, Lord. Lord, we're just so grateful for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.